Hello and welcome to An Evening with Nirvana. This is going to be a podcast where I'm going to talk to a series of guests from the Doom community and maybe some people outside of it as well about level design, map creation and other facets of game development. I'm Nirvana and my guest today is Benjigami, who you'll probably know as a creator of various challenging slaughter words like Toilet of the Gods, Abandon, the Egg of Human Endeavors, and most recently, his 90s vanilla throwback word, Down the Drain. He also made a Doom Pachinko machine for No Year, which I think might be his most impressive contribution to Doom, to be honest. So, uh, let's get into it. Hey, Benjo, how are you doing? Hey, doing pretty good. I'm glad you like Pachinko. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someone told me about it, and um, I was like, oh, like, surely this won't work as well as, like... Uh, I was sort of hoping it would, but then I went in and it was brilliant. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. It was actually because Shockblast was making a a map where you have to just wait for vials to spawn. I think it's map 30 of Noya. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thought like, oh, I think he was looking for things for the player to do while they were waiting. And so I made the pachinko machine. He's like, oh, it's kind of elaborate. I don't know if I want to include it. So it's just its own map oh. now. <laughs> I feel like... Uh... I mean, I can't think of specific examples, but I think I've definitely had times where I've made... Uh, actually, no, I can. There's the In Haste, uh, the first map that I made for that, there's a pyramid in that. And I I think I was talking to Mega about something. Uh, and I was like, we were talking about pyramids or something, and I just built this dumb pyramid. And I ended up using it for that <laughs> Haste map in the end. But yeah, sometimes yeah. the scraps that you sort of have lying around end up being pretty useful. And I actually, I save a lot of stuff as prefabs just in case these days. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't do too much of that. Yeah. Uh, so I'll start with like the, you know, I'll probably do this for everyone. I'm going to start with the prosaic. How did you get into Doom originally? And uh, how did you end up sort of getting into mapping in the first place? Oh boy. Well, I got into Doom uh, in the 90s. Uh, I went to Egghead Software with my dad to get Wolfenstein 3D, uh-huh. and it came with the shareware of Doom, and oh the, the guy working there was like, you know, he saw me being a kid, I don't know how old I was, like 9 or 10, <clears throat> and uh, he's like, oh no, you can't, you can't let him play this, Doom is serious, <laughs> violent, and <laughs> just kind of yeah. like, whatever, we got it, and it, it didn't run at all on our, like our 286, I mean it ran on our 286, but it was very low FPS. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually we got a better computer, and I played it, and I got like Maximum Doom, and I got a book on how to edit, and didn't do too much editing back then, mm-hmm. um, but uh, just sort of dipped my toes in. Then like Quake came out, I sort of forgot about Doom, I just just moved on with the times. Oh, so <clears throat> you you played a lot of Quake? Yeah, I got into Quake quite a lot. I played like Team Fortress. Uh, when like Quake World came out with like the the good net code, uh-huh. I was like joined Team Fortress Clan and did all that stuff for a long time. Oh, and uh-huh. got into other variants like Quake Three Fortress and stuff like that. So I sort of just left Doom as new games came out. Hmm. And um, did you ever think about mapping for Quake at all, or like more recently have you thought about it? Uh, recently, I've kind of thought about it, but actually, I have mapped for Quake. Oh, um, for Team Fortress. <laughs> oh, okay. 
uh just made they weren't very good <laughs> i made like one of i made like a it's called chess it was just called chess and it was just a grid of platforms above lava and there's a flag on each side and like an invuln and a quad damage and so it's just like you have to hop across the grid to get the flag and try to capture it platforming was... even in quake you can't <laughs> yeah can't restrain yeah it was... i feel like some of my designs still are kind of like that just like a very basic idea that i just want to make into a map and then i find it fun at least but it seemed like other people kind of had fun on that map too i think well i i think a lot of the strongest maps start with like a you know just a strong core idea and then you know you build out from yeah. that I, I don't know yeah for sure um so i looked at the doom wiki a little bit here to sort of see what your first stuff was that you came out with um uh, map 29 of the doom world mega project 2016 is what's listed as your first which is emergent which uh that later became a format ward of the same name and yeah. um i guess what i noticed about it playing it was that you already had um like a relatively strong visual style and your gameplay as well there's a lot of elements in emergent already that uh you know you can see a direct line from it to your latest stuff so i guess i was wondering like what your main influences were at this point did like did that come from doom wads already at that point were you playing a lot of p wads or was that from other games uh yeah i don't think i had played too many p wads at that point emergent actually wasn't my first um okay. it was actually after toilet of the gods um, oh okay my actually very first thing that has been released is my Nova 3 map, uh, Mayor Chrysium, um, and then Toilet of the Gods, and then Emergent. And I think at that point, PWODs that I played, I played like Back to Saturn X. Um, I played Sunder. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I've and heard of it. That's about all I can remember, honestly. Like, just mm -hmm. random stuff. Like, I'll, you know, look on Doom World and. I like my first maps and people uh, maps that just people post on the the forum. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of uh, my first map maps. I've done a couple of streams actually where I just play people's first maps that they post. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, that's good stuff. And also, like, I, I think I might have played some of Sunlust at that point too. And just like watching streams, like I've I've done a lot of stream watching. Like I've I've seen more PWODs than I've played for sure. Oh, me too. So I'm, I'm sure yeah. that has had an influence as well. Yeah, I think I listened to the the Doom Radio interview, and you, um, I think you said in that that you came you came back to Doom through watching streams, right? Yeah, pretty much. It was a combination of like just watching on Twitch, and I think it was like John Romero when he posted the uh, Tech Gone Bad. Oh uh, yeah, his his E1 M8 thing that he released. It, it sort of just made me think, like, why am I not making Doom maps? <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's something that I could do. Why am I not doing that? Because at the time, I was playing, like, Mario Maker, which I was having a lot of fun with, because I'm also a Mario fan. But but then, like, yeah, Doom. I was like, I haven't played Doom in a while, and making Doom maps is fun. Why am I not doing that? So I started doing that. So are you someone, because you've already talked about Quake, making stuff for that. And then obviously Doom, and then Mario Maker. So, do you, when you play games, do you generally try to find some avenue into like making your own content? Um, not really. I think it's just a certain certain games that really give me that 
feeling like and maybe it's just their modability or like their core mechanics just really speak to me like doom i feel like i love the rng i love like the monster pathing is simple but at the same time it's kind of chaotic and interesting things can happen that you don't expect mm-hmm. and uh yeah and like in mario um i like i like challenging mario maps too and also like i find that my mario maps are similar to my doom maps and i like putting rng in them <laughs> right <laughs> there's, there's not too much rng in mario but there are certain things that you can add that add some rng to it or at least some chaos so it's not just all precision precision jumps i like to have some some more chaos and random enemies in there too so not necessarily like the kai's are very strict yeah i've done some of that but yeah it's i don't think it's my favorite genre mm-hmm. um yeah i well my next question was actually uh about like difficult gameplays have you always kind of seek that out in games like even even before doom and before mapping and stuff um i think so well i don't know i'm not like, I love Dark Souls. Like, I can't think of too many things that I've played that were very hard. Like, well, mm-hmm. EverQuest is, has some difficult elements to it. it. was another game I played a lot back when I was a teenager. Um, but I feel like it's something that I've more gotten into as an older person. Just through mm-hmm. things like Dark Souls, uh, getting over it with Bennett Foddy is one of my favorites. Right. Um, it's my indie game design hero. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's something about that challenge that's, uh, sort of aesthetically pleasing to me, like just being faced with something that, you know, is going to be a, a big challenge is, is just sort of, uh, appealing to me somehow. Yeah. Oh, I think, I think Dark Souls does a really good job of, um, uh, there's like levels to the difficulty where the aesthetics sort of are an element like uh you know there are obviously like environmental factors that make it challenging but also there's a sense of like oppression to the environments in a lot of instances as well Um, yeah definitely like the environments and the gameplay and the visuals just all come together it's like wow and the music like (laughs) there's a lot of tension through the music and the sound and and stuff as well so like the I think yeah, there is like an aesthetic element that comes along with the difficulty that uh, also seems to have happened with Doom, but maybe for like completely different reason. For sure. Uh, speaking of visuals, um, I think Toilet of the Gods is really distinct visually, uh, and a lot of that comes down to the palette that you put together for it. Um, I was wondering how early in development that the palette was sort of worked out and implemented and, and how much influence it ended up having over the visuals in the, in the mod. Yeah, it was immediate. I think that was like the first thing I did for whatever reason I wanted uh, purple and turquoise. And I don't even know how close I got. Like when I look at it now, I was like, is that really turquoise? Or is that just kind of looks like a shade of green to me? <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I was, that's kind of what I was going for. It's like purple and turquoise. And, uh, yeah, I think I, I did the palette before I even, no, not, that's not true. I did start on map one, like mm. before I did the palette, but I didn't get very far. In fact, I think I redesigned the starting Island, um, like after I implemented the palette. Yeah. I think, um, I think there is usually like a pretty obvious distinction between what sort of had 
the palette put in from the beginning and wads where uh, people have decided at the very end, oh, I should give this another palette for whatever reason. Mm, yeah. And you can usually tell when something's been built for its its palette for a lot of subtle reasons. Um, Like Fractured Worlds, for instance, that also had the palette implemented very early. I think I also had done like a bit of map one or something, but <laughs> it was a real pain because like the cyan that I chose like showed up very harshly on uh, like the darker green ranges, which I mean, you've done palette work before and there's like random dark green <laughs> pixels in like every single piece of doom for some reason so i had to go through and do like a lot of editing so like a lot of subtle things like that you'll notice in wads sort of where yeah. the palette's been picked early i think and actually that's i think total of the gods is the only time i've worked on a palette and um it's kind of it's kind of ham-fisted like i just like selected the green range and changed it and then selected mm -hmm. the blue range and changed it so i'm definitely not like a um experienced editing palettes but it, it got the result that i was looking for yeah i mean it looks great and even to this day i don't think there's there's really a palette that i've seen that's similar because I, I think you do like you do see that green range being changed a lot but um people tend to go for very similar ranges oddly enough that's sort of um btsxe blue and the uh yeah yeah the green these days the often that sort of otexy green as well mm, yeah. you see a lot of the same kind of things but toilet of the gods pretty um pretty unique i think yeah and somehow the the red range got like a little bit orangeified too i'm not sure how that happened <laughs> that's one of the best parts i think yeah it's kind of a lot of a lot of the things that i make that i end up really liking are kind of accidents <laughs> yeah i mean that happens a lot with mapping in general um, yeah uh also with toilet of the gods um each map is pretty unique uh gameplay wise like from each other map one sort of slaughter and fairly harsh platforming like combined and then map two is a bit more traditional with that big sort of revenant fight at the beginning uh and then the cat goes later and stuff like that three is open sandboxy kind of thing and then four is like this tight highly focused platforming section um yeah. was it intentional from the beginning that each map was going to be like its own experience or did that sort of just naturally develop yeah i think that just naturally developed um like i since i was i was a beginner mapper like there's some things mm -hmm. in map one like i don't have any uh, control sectors in map one that are like off the map and joined because <laughs> I didn't know how to do that yet that's why there's like basically all those purple pillars that are like between the first and second islands are there to serve as the control sectors for the bridge that raises up okay so a lot of it was just sort of you know flying by the seat of my pants and uh map two actually took me some time to figure out like I, the vision in my head was different than how it turned out like I was imagining like sort of a deep uh, canyon, sort of like orthogonal hallways, but like with deep canyons in the middle. Uh -huh. And for whatever reason, I abandoned that and went with like the Revenant, Revenant's chasing you down through the the more sewer-like hallways. And then, yeah, just sort of, I think actually map four was the second map that I started on. But um, I realized that it wasn't a good second map, so it got moved eventually. <laughs> it, yeah, 
it works well as a as a finale i think it's like almost i well <laughs> i want to say it's like a wind down from <laughs> all those sort of bigger scale maps but it's probably it might be the most difficult map in the world yeah actually i think so <laughs> well i don't know probably like if you're saving it's not too hard to that's true. come through it compared yeah. to the other ones but yeah yeah that's true actually um for for platforming in general uh what's your testing process like do you tend to just slap a bunch of like platforms down and then move them very slightly for distances and just kind of do a lot of guesswork or are you like fairly precise yeah it's it's pretty trial and error like um like map one toil to the gods um which is very controversial platforming but um <laughs> the bumpy ones the elastic mm -hmm. yeah the elastic collisions and stuff <laughs> like that but uh my process there was basically uh put it down and then see if i can do it and then I could do it, like, but it was very hard. And then that that part of the map got tested a lot, and I felt like I was getting better at it. So I was like, oh, this is pretty good platforming then if it was hard, but I feel like I can get better at it. Mm -hmm. um, so that was that's kind of my, my, my mode for most platforming, is just slap something down and then try it, and then tweak it as necessary. Right. And, and for combat, um, like when I make a fight, I will usually, I'll put it all the way up to 100 at the beginning, like as hard as I can make it, given whatever the spaces that I have, and then I tend to like scale it back gradually until it feels uh, like a bit more balanced or whatever. Do you have like a similar process or do you do it differently? Um, I would, I, I def, definitely have done it that way, but I think in, it's sort of like the platforming, like I'll slap something down. Sometimes it just works like, the way that I slapped it down. Um, sometimes I make it harder because you know I found a way to, that I could do it pretty easily. Or sometimes, yeah, I have to dial it back a lot. So it just, uh, yeah, just kind of go with the flow. Yeah, I think it can be, <laughs> it can be difficult, especially once you start getting like your internal testers to play stuff and you start to realize like, oh, maybe this fight was only easy because I played it like 55 times during testing or whatever, <laughs> yeah. and then people like, you know, and Caligon's telling you you might want to scale it back, and you're like, okay, well, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe like from like a blind perspective, it's like a bit, a bit silly. Yeah, I, most of the stuff, like, I don't really have, I haven't really had internal testers except for like on Abandon and like a little bit of Down the Drain got some feedback mm -hmm. on that but a lot of my projects i just sort of just toss it out there sometimes i'll you know i'll put up the, re the release candidate on the forum and then see if anyone has trouble with it and tweak it from there but yeah i'm always a bit too worried about final product i think when i make stuff like i definitely i'm like this has to be like as good as i can possibly make it so yeah i see i think i'm quite a bit different in there i sort of like to you know just release whatever <laughs> just sort of get it out there because that rawness i feel sometimes adds uh, a flavor to it that i like yeah i mean i think um i mean it generally seems to work for your stuff i like a lot of your maps are obviously like kind of notorious for their difficulty but it's almost like that thing of um implementing like specific speedrun strategies into a map before speedrunners get their hands on it 
uh, where mm -hmm. it, like that inorganic nature of it would make it inherently less enjoyable to speedrun. So uh, sometimes it's better just to release something and let people figure out the difficult parts for themselves kind of thing. Yeah, like I like to be surprised by what people are able to do in my maps because it's, it's fun to see if they figure out something to do that I didn't think of or something like that. Uh -huh. I think I'm too and... much of a control freak. I'm like, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want people like cheesing this really badly. Or like I spent like four hours making this room or, or whatever. And I'm like, I, I don't yeah. want this being cheesed. I definitely have some fights like that, like where I, I think a lot of my abandoned maps are pretty strict in how you can progress. And, you know, if like map 10 of abandoned, you can like play faster and try to skip stuff, but it usually doesn't turn out well. That's kind of how my maps are they're sort of like not very strict in like locking you in but um if you try to go faster and try to escape the lock-in the it becomes very difficult and so it may be faster if you can survive but also extremely difficult i think yeah for the most part that is generally like a really good way to map in terms of like keeping it feeling like it has a bit more of a natural flow and um sometimes my stuff I think suffers a little bit for being like so strict uh, with lock-ins and things like that. So I like, yeah. I don't know. I do enjoy like the flow of your stuff and people like Scotty as well uh, has like very good map flow in terms of like the pace. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, I guess this sort of ties in this question. Um, because like a lot of your stuff is extremely difficult. People sort of know you for it a lot of the time. Um. I guess I was wondering, like, how important is challenge as a factor when you're mapping? Um, like, are you actively trying to make things as hard as possible, or do you just put down things that you think will be fun and then, and like, make gameplay for yourself and then it ends up being difficult, or, or how does that go? Yeah, I think it's, it's more like the second one, and it, it depends on the project too, like, um, like down the drain. Um, there's definitely some maps where I was in the mood for making something more challenging. Um, sometimes like, like World of Orifice, sometimes I think about like, I'm, I like to design maps, like I'm making a wall to beat my head against. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, like get I just... to, I'll get to World of Orifice and okay. that later on, yeah. Yeah, like sometimes I just really want to have that experience of struggling against something and then doing it. Um, but like for most of down the drain, it was just like, I just want it to be fun. Like it doesn't need to be mm -hmm. super hard. Um, something like abandoned. I definitely was aiming for like, this should be like Sunder hard, for example. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, so you have like, you have sort of a set difficulty in mind sort of before you start a project. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Mm -hmm. Um, you like over the years you you're probably one of the people i've seen who sort of takes part in the most community projects uh out of a lot of the sort of slaughtery people that i tend to talk to um do you sort of do you use community projects for any particular reason like are they are they good practice in a way or mapping out of your comfort zone or maybe just to like reach people outside of your usual demographic or is it just like well this sounds kind of fun i'll make a map 
It's kind of a lot of those. Um, I feel like it's fun to uh, do something that I that's different to me. Like for like Joy Mapping Five, for example, that's the only time I've made a UDMF map. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, sometimes they'll have interesting resources or interesting restrictions that just sort of make me feel like, oh yeah, I kind of want to make a map like that. And also because my solo stuff tends to be more extreme, um, maybe experimental, um, not, not just in the difficulty, but in the structure of things, mm -hmm. I find it's fun to have like a prompt or an excuse to make something that's a little bit more traditional. Yeah. Um, just to see like, you know, what I can come up with and uh, usually ends up being fun. And some of my favorite maps are in the community projects. And yeah, it's fun to, you know, get other people um, that normally wouldn't play my maps to play them and maybe change their mind about what kind of mapper I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I think what I like about you in general is that you do seem like a bit more open than a lot of other people in terms of trying out other stuff because uh, the doom community is very like split into these sort of pocket groups of people like oh these are the boom people these are the cheesy yeah. doom people and a lot of them will That's not delve into each other's like <laughs> categories a lot of the time yeah. but like you know udmf has like a lot of redeeming qualities about it. it does a lot of things better than boom and then and then boom does a lot of things better than you know gz doom and stuff and it's for me it's like what is this port or this thing good at doing and how can i like emphasize that if i make a map for it rather than like just trying to stick to doing the same thing all the time yeah for sure like uh that the joy of mapping five map it was basically an excuse to i want to do some 3d floors like i've never used 3d floors yeah. before which is i actually didn't use too many udmf features in that map but uh just sort of a few like um 3D floors that just really like accentuate the layout or, or even visually like there's a bridge that I think looks pretty cool and mm. just something like that kind of makes the map you know have have a little bit more interest to it where you can just simply use one of these features to make one single thing that makes it kind of stand out yeah I do think I'm like a little bit in the less is more camp when it comes to a lot of the the Z Doomery, like the slopes and 3D floors and things like that. I think if like you can keep it within the realms of Doom, still like kind of boxy, which I tend to like visually, and then utilize those things a little bit just to add like accents and, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned slopes. I don't think I used any slopes. <laughs> I don't know if I did in my because I I did one for that same joy of mapping. I think. Um, hmm. but I don't yeah. I used quite a lot of 3D floors though. I made like some weird floating <laughs> I used that like waggle effect where they hover up and down which is kind of cool oh yeah I remember that yeah I think that was Joy Mapping 6 maybe was that the yeah. one that was like inspired by Doom 1 yeah yeah that one yeah 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 that was 6 did you map for that or no yeah I made a, a Mount Erebus uh, tribute I guess <laughs> or just uh, I wanted to make a map that was a lot like it and uh yeah i liked how that one turned out huh. uh so i said i'd get to world office um so nostril caverns clearly had a huge influence on you with world office and uh to some extent long road you know turns as well and map 31 down the drain i think also kind of takes from that 
original yeah, kind definitely. of concept yeah um so what what was it about nostril cabins that captured your imagination i think the going back to something i said earlier is that it's that sort of the aesthetic of having a insurmountable task put in front of you uh-huh. and it and that's something that i really like about that that whole structure of nostril caverns where it's like here's just all the doors you can open them all you can see what's in them you know what's going to happen <laughs> like you uh-huh. know there's going to be a hallway of this a hallway of that until you have killed all of the monsters but then there's that part where it's like okay you've done that which already seemed impossible but now it all opens up and then there's, you know, hundreds of spider masterminds that kill each other. And just that sound of them dying for <laughs> several minutes. It's like, just so cool to me. <laughs> yeah. I think that that sound always brings me back to like when I was a kid and I just used to like, I had uh D zone, but it had with it. I can't remember if this was attached to your D zone or if it was uh, maybe some other thing that we use, but it was like a randomizer and it would put you know it would just randomize the whatever the monsters were in any given oh, map yeah. and you would I often get like a lot that. of really stuck spider masterminds and stuff but you would just hear them <laughs> like dying constantly throughout the map yeah that was actually one of the first things i did as a a, a doom modder back in the 90s i just i didn't know how to build nodes so i would just like go into the editor and change the things around <laughs> right yeah what editor like, did you use originally, actually? Oh, gosh, I don't remember. Yeah, it might have been, like, is Doomcad a thing? Yeah, Doomcad or... is what I used. Doomcad 95. It was atrocious. It, it might have been Doomcad, yeah. If it had a habit of crashing when you saved and crashing when you drew lines in the wrong way and <laughs> crashing yeah. all the time, then it was probably Doomcad 95. I remember you had to you had to draw the vertices and then you had to draw the lines between the mm-hmm. vertices and then you had to draw the lines for the sector like clockwise. You had to do it clockwise. Yeah, that was Doomcad for sure. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> and then That's if you wanted to that. make a sector within a sector, you had to draw over it again. So it had like a another mode that you went into. So you draw your sector and then the one within it, and then you had to draw yeah. around it again to make it part of the other sector. Oh man, yeah, that was awful. Yeah. I it took me so long to just get a room working. It was horrible, but I will say that I think that experience with Doomcad made me much more patient with Doom Builder because Doom Builder was like when I got Doom Builder, I was like, how is this possible? Like, <laughs> yeah, I could just draw much. whatever the hell I wanted. In Doomcad, you couldn't even you couldn't mass select things easily. You had to click everything manually. Like you couldn't delete a line def without it crashing. Like it yeah. was unusable practically. So Doom Builder, like people don't know how good they have it. I think. Yeah, when I came back to mapping, because that was one of the things too. I was like, oh, it's it's got to be way easier to do these days. And sure enough, it was a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh, an insane amount easier actually. Uh, Something I kind of feel bad about, like, making down the drain is that I didn't use, like, some old editors that, you know, 90s mappers had to deal with. Yeah, a lot of these vanilla compat people, uh, if they really want to stick to their guns on it, I think they should be using Doomcad 95, personally. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Uh, So I guess you talked... I had another question about sort of what you liked about the grinding methodical gameplay. 
Uh, I suppose you already sort of talked about that. Is it mostly an aesthetic thing then, or or is there like a bit more, a bit more? To okay, it? yeah, yeah. There's definitely more. Um, like I find it kind of meditative, like just mm. um grinding through the monsters. It's like Nostril Caverns is not especially hard. Uh, the first phase of it, it, it at least isn't. Um, and also if you do it in the right order, if you do it in the wrong order, it can get kind of gross. But um, yeah, like just killing stuff through the door, like, you know, BFGing stuff through the, the doorways, like doing the, the corner pops and whatnot. And just you kind of get in a rhythm. You can put on your own music. It's um, yeah, sometimes it's just like a chill out map. That's kind of what World Orifice and Long Road No Turns are to me like just if i want to pick up and play like sometimes i'll be like i want to play some doom but i don't know what i want to play <laughs> i'll just play long road no turns until i die which uh usually is pretty soon it almost has that feeling of like some like really old arcadey games uh mm, where yeah. it's like one very set goal and you you know you got one life and you just go through and and see how long you can last kind of thing yeah, definitely. There's probably some of that influence in there. I think what I like the most about... Because Down the Drain 31, <laughs> I think it might be my favorite map in the WOD. Uh, I also quite like grindy stuff. Like, I loved Holy Hell. Uh, I played it, like... I mean, relatively recently I played it. I didn't play it, like, back when it came out or anything. So yeah. uh, it's not a nostalgia thing. But I uh, I really do enjoy that <laughs> that kind of grind as well. But... um. With Down the Drain 31, what I really liked about it was that you had this, like, because you know exactly, like, you're like, okay, well, it stands to reason that this next set of rooms will be shotgun dudes, because I just did zombie men, and then it'll be imps or something. Yeah. I really liked that ability to, like, plan my route a little bit, because there were times when I was like, okay, well, if this is Revenants, I don't want to go there yet until I have this weapon, so I'll, like, go and do the Hell Knights first, and then I can get this. And, uh, I really like that sense of like having control over over the scenario, I suppose. Cool, yeah, yeah. That's definitely part of what went into it is um and also you can just like peek into the area to see what's there and they won't attack you immediately. So you can uh -huh. scout things out and decide what to do next. That's definitely a, a conscious decision. And it sort of fits in with that whole like not making strict lock ins and, and letting the player kind of form their own um journey through the map and stuff yeah yeah and i feel like there there's some interesting things that can happen because you can get overwhelmed by the vials and if you're playing in comp level two you're probably going to get ghost monsters and then you'll just have oh. to load it or start over if you're playing an actual vanilla because <laughs> uh, yeah. you can't save it on that map um but yeah like if you you know some vials get away from you and you have to retreat and then you know depending on how much of the map you've cleared you can they can follow you everywhere basically I just I like I love stuff like that where the monsters can get an advantage and pursue you. Yeah, I think um I think uh when I talked about I've done a couple of videos on YouTube about like do mapping theory and <laughs> stuff like that, but I was talking about how it's interesting in in certain maps how you can design them in a way that like you want to think about how monsters will like flow through a space and a lot of the time it can be more interesting to like leave maps more open like so for instance you can 
teleport in like a bunch of cacodemons at a certain point and that feeling of them flowing through the map naturally sort of like map 20 of sunlust when the big caco cloud comes but they sort of fill up the whole space yeah um, yeah definitely yeah i really like that that as well that's uh something that really stuck with me about sunder map eight i think it was map eight. yeah yeah map paled eight. monument yeah or the the cacos will I mean, you can you can kind of cheese it, but I didn't know how to cheese it, so I retreated, and then I just had to deal with you know all of these cacos flooding the level, and I don't know where to go, and I can sort of kill some of them through these torches that they can't get through. It's just like mm -hmm. it feels almost broken, like it wasn't meant to be this way. I like stuff like that. I think, uh, and I might touch on this later when we talk about abandoned, but I'm pretty sure Gazebo did tell me that he he because he used gz doom for his testing for sunder so i yes, think there's yes. torches you might have been able to shoot through them right oh yeah um yeah and the monsters would be I, able to get by them is that how it works i can't remember how it works in the GZ i guess since there's no um there's no uh vertical or there is yeah there's no vertical and there's no infinite height is what i was looking for yeah. um i guess they could fly over the torches yeah i didn't think about that i think he might have been playing with infinite height off but don't quote me on that 100 percent. but i think yeah i know he possible. definitely designed like even the newer sunder i'm pretty sure he designed it with z doom or now gz doom in mind and then like went back and tested in PR boom after the fact. So yeah, I know I know for a fact the old Sunder was definitely uh, targeting Z Doom. Yeah, which yeah again we'll <laughs> I'll talk about that a bit with abandon later. Um, <laughs> yeah, so with those longer maps like Long Road and stuff, what do you do for testing? Because um, obviously doing full playthroughs isn't really something you can do for for something that long. So yeah. Is a lot of like, it very segmented, like jumping in and jumping out? Or... So for both of them, I did, I think for World Orifice, I played through like three times, like just straight up with saves and loads, of course, uh -huh. before I released it. Um, but most of the testing, because there's like some technical stuff, I got to debug and whatnot. So I used uh, Super Web 8, which is like one of the dehacks that comes with dehacked. If you oh, I remember Super Web. Yeah, I remember yeah, Super it, Web yeah. 8. <laughs> and with that, you know, you just like basically just mowing through the map, and it's mm -hmm. it's a little bit better than no mow because you're testing. You're not How testing the balance, and, of course, yeah. but you are testing like you know that the monsters are are moving the way that they're supposed to and you're testing if you can max it and stuff like that sure so yeah i used that on world orifice and then i think long road i think it might have just been like simple enough there's like not too many moving parts in there that i pretty much just did like one playthrough with saves and then i was like yeah it works <laughs> sometimes that's all it needs um, yeah and it, it did get some balance changes with some feedback from uh mm -hmm from people on the forums but yeah yeah i uh, i was curious about it because i was like <laughs> long word is uh an insurmountable task almost which is what you were after i suppose that, that feeling yeah and another thing that i was thinking about when i made world orifice was like i wanted to make a map where um it would kind of make sense to have splits like to have uh if you're speed running it to have because I, oh, yeah. I i like speed running in general like i've i watched other speed runs of other games mm -hmm. and uh doom speed runs they tend to not use splits which makes sense most of the time but i thought it would be really cool if uh you know this map kind of makes sense if you were 
going to speed run it, you might want to use splits. Yeah, I... Yeah, I don't know why I also have, like, kind of a... I enjoy seeing people get, like, a good gold split, you know, when I watch a speedrun. Oh, yeah. That's good. <laughs> <It's> good stuff. <laughs> um, so, with Slaughter Max, that was... I... Okay, once again, this is according to the Doom Wiki, which has already done me wrong uh, at the beginning <laughs> of this, but uh, it claims to be the first community project that you led. Um, yeah, so what? Great. Okay, so what made you like want to tackle leading a, a project instead of just taking part? Uh, I think I, at the time I was, I just wanted to see more people engaged with slaughter maps and like i wanted to get people who might not uh have made any slaughter maps like get them to try it out so it's just supposed to be kind of a low pressure but also the way the rules are designed like i wanted to have uh, a very clear set of rules so that pretty much anyone who was submitting a map would be confident that it would be accepted if it met these criteria mm-hmm um, so just sort of to aid the accessibility and also having the rule where it has to be maxed, it was sort of like, it's sort of evangelizing for slaughter maps and also UV maxing, the UV maxing of slaughter maps. Yeah. Um, and it's, so it was to get people to make them and then get people to play them and to see that they're not, they're not impossible. They're not, they're not work. They're not tedium. Like this is something that you can do and it can be fun was sort of the goal of the project. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was wondering if the, the demo recording element was maybe a time of death inspired thing, since he's sort of well known for uh, recording demos of all of his stuff that he puts out. I think it, it must have been an influence, but it wasn't really in the forefront of my mind. It was more mm-hmm. like I just wanted to have a clear set of rules and to, to I don't know, promote these two things that I liked. <laughs> yeah, which... I mean, that's another thing that I like about you, I think, as a Doom Mapper is that, or as a community member, maybe, rather, is that you are still, you still want to promote Slaughter as a genre and stuff, which uh, I do feel like there's a lot more cynicism towards it, maybe, from uh, other members of the Slaughter community, just because uh, maybe it's become, like, a bit more mainstream, or, like, maybe uh, it's, like, much different than it used to be or something, but... I definitely still feel mm, yeah. like I want to see sort of newer people getting into making that kind of content. Yeah, I feel like um, in the last few years, it seems like more people have become more accepting of slaughter gameplay. You'll still see uh-huh. some opinions like, oh, it's, you know, it's TDM or it's grindy or it's whatever. But I feel like I see more voices from people that I don't really recognize as being like old, old slaughterheads. <laughs> being like yeah you know it's not for everyone but these are the things that people like about it and i feel like the the battles have kind of been won that we've had on the forums like <laughs> some of those posts that people are making like rd has done a really good job of explaining these things mm-hmm. um i think i think maybe people are starting to come around and not to be so negative about it even if they don't like it i think the sort of new nu new slaughter wave as it's become known a little bit, is uh, has also probably helped a bit too. Like the bridge burners and, and that kind of yeah. group has sort of made it a bit more like palatable to people who want to get into it more casually. Yeah, there have been like the 
the micro slaughtered community project. I think that's what it was called. I yeah. think a lot of a lot of people seemed to like that and got people into being like, yeah, I, I played it and I liked it. I actually, I guess I like Slaughter now. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I suppose Haste ended up being a bit that way. Like, I think, I think I intended to talk about this a bit later, but I think maybe we were a bit surprised by how well received that was because <laughs> I think we sort yeah. of did, like it started out as this project um, that was intended to be like bite-sized, like, slaughter maps that like could be completed i think originally in like five minutes or something was the intent and like they would be sort of relatively hard but but not crazy and then um a few of us kind of started making like some really weird esoteric kind of <laughs> maps <laughs> that like i thought would be like really off-putting to people like um yeah but it actually a lot of people really seemed to enjoy it and and were quite accepting of even the maps that they thought were like not for them i saw a lot of people it was really fun seeing people play map my map 10 and that because that was some like kind of brutal platforming and it was very polarizing in the um there was a thread on on doom world <laughs> some people yeah. like absolutely loved it and others who just despised it and i thought that was great yeah i was pretty surprised too it was kind of fun to see that uh haste and micro slaughter community project together in the 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 wad club because huh. uh the 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 what is it and microslaughter mscp is that what it is uh, yeah, there's, yeah. there's an acronym i feel like i'm getting it wrong but anyways they definitely i remember they influenced us in the making of haste and then i was i sort of thought that haste was like kind of our maybe it would be less it would definitely be harder and maybe less um accessible than the other wad but it seems like from the the club thread that people were pretty open to it i was kind of surprised yeah <laughs> it always felt like the plan almost felt like ours was going to be like the b-sides like the <laughs> to use in the vana reference like the incesticide of of slaughter was just a collection of very weird b-sides that no one really wants to listen to that often but like occasionally yeah. you might put one on yeah, it was kind of a casual project, and then we got a CAC award, so I guess it it was yeah, it was uh it's a masterpiece, I guess. I mean, I will say that map ten of that what is one of my favorite things that I've made, and uh, you know, it was pretty. I put it together pretty quickly, but um, like I I already have like a project plan to like use that same kind of setting and stuff potentially uh to make some other maps because I enjoyed it so much. So sometimes, you know, when you when you throw stuff together quickly you end up with some good results. Yeah, yeah. Some of my yeah, some of my favorite maps have ended up just being kind of I didn't have an idea going in, but the end result ended up being something I really liked. Yeah. Um Oh yeah. Back to Slaughter Max. Um uh the extra difficulty mode that you put in it replaces hey not too rough i think um uh yes yeah um do you think do you think the implementation of that was in part due to how muddy ultraviolence is as a difficulty in the doom community because a lot of people see uv as um like the default difficulty and a lot of sort of people who make challenging content obviously uh trying to set that up to be like don't play this on your first playthrough like this is generally like intended to be the most challenging thing uh 
So yeah. do you think like you wanted to put this on Halo to rough and kind of hide away the hardest difficulty or was it just meant to be like yeah, a fun kind of thing? That, <laughs> that was definitely a factor. Um, Cause you know, as I've said, I love like just wild, like unpredictable, maybe it's broken kind of difficulty sometimes. Mm -hmm. And because of the, the design of the project, I didn't want ultra violence to be like that. I wanted it to be things that were pretty accessible to max, you know, either by the author or by one of the, enthusiastic maxers that we had around yeah um but yeah and then so it sort of made sense to me to put it in hey not too rough because hardly anyone's using it anyways <laughs> and then it, it turns i'm too young to die and sort of like an easier version of the hardest mode um yeah. all of that definitely went into it but it was also just sort of a whim like i made the outhouse was the first map that i made and i i made that map without um having slaughter max or a community project in mind and um for whatever reason i wanted to make hey not too rough well probably for whatever reason the reason is probably because i was you know riffing off of these things that you're talking about okay. i wanted to make it um sort of a joke like it's all zombie men but actually it might be harder than uv i'm not sure <laughs> right so it's like it appears like it's a joke easy but then it turns out to be you know something else that's hard and interesting in its own right and so i felt like that would be fun to include in the rules to have other people try that as well yeah i think my map was um i just put cyber demons everywhere i'm pretty sure that was the extent of my and yeah, it was maxable right. i will say i did max it um, oh nice but um it without wasn't saves yeah without saves <laughs> oh my god but uh yeah, I... I didn't press a demo or anything i probably should have I relied on yeah, thumbs. It's uh, you could have you have a table filler right right there in your back pocket. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, well, my great speedrunning career of literally one demo that I. <laughs> well, technically, I did do Sunlust, uh, twenty five, but it's not it's not a world record. It was like the I think it's like the fourth best time or something on DSDA. Something oh, like that's that. pretty good, especially in Sunlust is a very competitive wad. <laughs> Well, I think it got absolutely like destroyed because uh, I think Derek came in with like a glide, and now that, that oh, category yeah. is like definitely his. Yeah, that definitely happens. Yeah, it got glided on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I mean, this is sort of similar to Haste actually. When we put Flotsam together, most of those maps mm. were actually they were like scraps from other projects we had lying around, and um, and also uh. Yeah, I think they were, like, some of the maps were just taken, they were going to be for other projects, and they ended up in this one, and then other other maps were literally, like, just scraps of things. Like, I think mine was, like, an uh, something Archie had sent me ages ago. He was like, hey, do something with this, and then it was going to be in another project, and then ended up in Flotsam. But um, were yours originals for that, actually? Um, no. I guess one of them kind of was. Uh, map 1 and 2 were originally meant for a speed discord mapping project, oh, which okay. never really came about. Uh -huh. um, and then map 3 was just like an old speed map that I made. And I, I think it was actually a thread on Doomworld that someone was like, hey, let's make some two-hour speed maps and post them. And so that was originally made for that. Uh -huh. And then map 4... I guess technically you could say it was made for Flotsam because it wasn't posted anywhere else, but it was just a speed map that I made, uh. just sort of unrelated, and yeah, I just sort of tossed them all in there. Uh, 
<laughs> I think the like the one opens up with your map. Uh, yeah. Hurts you plenty, I believe. The name. Yeah. Uh, and it starts with that that super cruel platforming section. Was that? I can't actually remember during development, but was that like a conscious choice just to basically be like, well, this is what you're in for, so like enjoy. Yeah, I think it definitely was. And I think that was also, especially with the name Hurts You Plenty, it was another sort of poke at, you know, UV-only people. And it's yeah. like, well, you know, this this Hurts You Plenty. You don't need to play an Ultraviolet. <laughs> and that was like the first time I had made platforming that changed depending on the difficulty setting. Mm. And uh, that was sort of the thing with that map. But then I, when when we compiled it in the flotsam, I realized like the difficulty settings that I had originally made were kind of silly. Like, basically the only difference was in the platforming. So I changed some other things too to make it more easy across the board. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, and then when we were deciding how to order them, I, I don't know whose idea it was, but I thought it would be fun to just group them by mapper, which I'm not sure if we actually maintained that throughout the wad. I think we did. Uh, I only, yeah. I think I only made one one map, but um, yeah, I do and remember then... there's like a big chunk of amused <laughs> right after me. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. And I think someone else, and it wasn't me, said that mine should go first just because it's so off-putting and shocking. <laughs> well, <laughs> what's funny fun about Flotsam in way. general is that I feel like it gets easier as the wad goes on because my map was definitely a lot easier than um. Yours and I think it's you and Zul, right? Are the first two, and then me and then yeah. The, my map the four is kind of obnoxious. That's one of one of the maps that I feel like I I don't like nearly as much as I used to. Like a lot of the maps that I make, I kind of feel like comfortable with them throughout time. But uh, map four, it's like it's kind of obnoxious. Like how many times you have to to like loop through the stairs just to like get something done. Like it, there's some really uh, awkward roadblocks in that map that sort of make for some tedium. Is that yeah, the that really one's... vertical map? It's like... Uh, no, that's that's what's map two. Map oh, four okay. is the one where... Um, gosh, it has like the... It has the, um, the vials on the conveyor belt that are like smashed into the spike and you have to like... Is it the barren, like the fire bluey <laughs> barren yeah, thing in the middle? Yeah. I actually, yeah, yeah. I thought that map was pretty funny. I enjoyed that map. <laughs> I enjoyed watching yeah. people play that map more than maybe playing it myself, but because it is and that... pretty brutal. Like uh, mostly the opening, I think, is <laughs> it's just so brutal of that map. But... Yeah, there's like the spider mastermind that sometimes is a real spoiler because it doesn't die to infighting and i think dubs dubs actually did a speed run of it and i don't think he enjoyed it he told me a little bit about it (laughs) (laughs) yeah well yeah speed runners are generally good at giving you fairly useful feedback in terms of gameplay because they will play through something like a hundred times but yeah that was after it was released so i don't i don't know if i got anyone to test it because you know it was like Flotsam was like supposed to just sort of be the scraps project, but it, it ended up being something that people recommend a lot, which I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, I hear that too. I mean, it's like, uh, that's what I was saying, I guess, is that it's similar to Haste, and then I think, I think we all kind of just thought we were just throwing some stuff together. I mean, it was literally yeah. called Flotsam because we thought, like, here's a bunch <laughs> of garbage that we had lying yeah, around, exactly. and we'll just, like, throw this out. And there's been some talk about, like, Jetsum as a sequel, but uh, 
who knows if it would retain the same spirit if we were to actually all consciously make maps for it maybe we should just yeah. go and make some other projects and then not finish the maps and then we'll, we'll make <laughs> just some other. yeah i think that's how, the proper way to do it i think haste was basically flotsam 2 almost yeah yeah at least uh 1.5 so it's a bit smaller. yeah uh so i want to talk about the egg of human endeavors um i feel like it's probably like one of the better examples i've seen of like truly abstract geometry in a doom map um mm -hmm. without relying on like some of the more tropey stuff you know like the uh, like an open void or you know all this kind of stuff i, I think it um with all the moving platforms and <laughs> how sort of rigid some of the disappearances are of some of the platforms and just uh, a very interesting use of like boom features there i was just wondering uh if you could talk about like conceptualizing that map and and what in the map did you build first um yeah so that was a map that i went into like without any real ideas like um it was for uh joel vargas galator's uh, doom mapping contest which I wanted to make something for, but I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to start mapping. And so um, I basically just mapped from the beginning. Like I've made, I like to make, you know, big open areas with islands. And I kind of wanted the map to be like, this is typical on brand Benjogami kind of map is sort of what I was going for. Mm -hmm. And so it sort of has a similar structure to like Toils of the Gods map one, where you go like onto three islands and uh the islands sort of get bigger and bigger in their uh scope um but other than that like i didn't really have a visual idea for it um oh, just sort of i used arch text which is a just a resource that archie compiled i think yeah i was using that because um i also used that in flotsam map one and two because they were for the the, this, the speed discord project mm -hmm. And it was just something I was using, and I, I thought I had some cool textures, so I used that and slapped some textures down. And eventually, um, just sort of like, uh, it's one of those maps where I just enjoy drawing the lines on the map. And it's, I did have a design goal of like, um, like very hand-placed lines, like non-orthogonal and um but not a lot of lines like i wanted to go like just enough lines to get the job done kind of thing um mm -hmm. and then like a lot of the texture choices are just sort of like colors like i liked the the red and brown combination um and then i liked there's sort of um symbolic texture usages like on the third island especially which is the egg because <laughs> it's shaped like an egg yeah um, all of the textures on the egg are like bones and gore and stuff, which is just part of the, the theme that I ended up, like, I didn't have an idea for the map at first, but it just sort of, as I started making it, it sort of, um, resolved itself in my mind, I guess, that I wanted it to be like this. Yeah. Uh, well, you touched on a couple of things that I think came through for me very specifically, uh, one is that it did feel like very quintessentially you when i played it which i think you're one of the few mappers where i can usually if i play one of your maps i know it's a benjo map which uh, is very <laughs> difficult to do uh, i think unless you know like the idiosyncrasies of somebody's mapping already right. um 
And I suppose the other thing is, uh, like the use of color in that map is really interesting. Uh, like I've seen, I've used Arch Text. My Flotsam map, I think, used it because it was, it was an Archie map originally. Um, mm, right. And obviously, I've seen him use that a lot. And the way that you used it, I couldn't tell that was Arch Text when I was playing it. It was like a, <laughs> like. Like you said, you were using like pairings of color instead of, uh, like in a truly abstract way, instead of just trying to like uh, create specific objects and things, which I think it made it very unique because you don't see architects used in that kind of context, I think, very often. Because Archie has like a very set style. Yeah, true. Which is like one of my favorite things, actually. Um, like the use of vanilla textures and stuff in like incredibly weird ways like when people mess with the offsets a lot and do stuff where you're like wait what the hell is that texture i've never seen it <laughs> yeah. but it's actually just a vanilla texture on like some crazy offset that they moved i like that kind of stuff yeah for sure i feel like my texturing is pretty lazy a lot of the time but like something i like to use is like a, a door to be like the of a step like just the top of the top of the, I think it's a big door. It's like one of the metal and wood doors oh, where yeah. um, just the top of it is just metal. And so I just use that part of it as like a step texture. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know about you. Did you only just start playing Monty stuff or had you always played? I've aside from what I've been playing lately, I only played uh, Urkatanye. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Which, which I uh, that's probably one of his more. I don't know how it's like normal. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's uh, the most visually. mainstream yeah. because it won a CAC award, so that's how you know it's mainstream. Well, yeah. uh, but <laughs> like visually speaking, from memory, I I don't remember the word too well. But compared to a lot of his other stuff, it, it has a like more sort of standard texturing and stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, I think especially compared to like Enceladus. So I yeah, I can speak on Urkatanye, Evil Tech, and then Enceladus. And uh, Evil Tech is actually like very normal. Like mm -hmm. is like all the textures are sort of like a, a modern idea of what you would do with stock Doom Two textures, like using the correct textures for the correct purpose, kind of thing. Um, but then yeah, then I skipped right ahead to Urkatanye, and that. I feel like is a little bit more like abstract texture usage okay. where they're just sort of put on for like the texture, I guess. <laughs> um, using textures as texture. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> or like the sake. color. Yeah. And like he, like me, like I feel like Monty really likes dense, busy textures. Mm -hmm. um, I really like the way that they look even like re low resolution where like if you're far away, you'll get like the moire effect and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Um, I love stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, because uh, when I think of Monty, I think of he posted a wad to Doomworld and um, I think it was just some small kind of 90s throwbacky thing, which he tends to post a decent amount of. But uh, I think someone commented on the visuals being bad or something and he replied like well i don't think they're bad i think like i just don't like he was like you expect me to use like support lining everything and you expect me to put like yeah. indents everywhere and i don't want to do that so that's why you think it looks bad but i think it looks good and i was like yeah i think realistically like he's just trying to do something a little more abstract and different with the textures that he's got yeah it's like 
it's just kind of like a different design goal. Like it's using texturing in a different way than one might otherwise expect. Yeah. Um, in, I think the geometry, you were talking about just drawing lines for, um, for egg, which I will call it from yeah. now on, just egg. <laughs> um, much more concise. <laughs> yeah. The geometry is interesting because, uh, it sort of feels like you, it almost feels like it serves like an aesthetic purpose more than it was designed for gameplay. Like there's a section where you, uh, like you run down the outer stairs on the map to get to the final encounter at the end, the egg itself. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was wondering if the map was sort of built for aesthetics more or if you had combat in mind uh, to begin with. And I guess sort of what are your general thoughts on like building for aesthetics initially and then fitting combat in after? Right. So um, I'd say for Egg in particular... Um it sort of came together at the same time. Like, um, I, I was just drawing lines and the sort of like the second Island, I feel like is where my, my idea for what the map was going to be really solidified. And that Island just sort of looks like, a an eyeball. And it's like, it's, I, and since it looked like an eyeball, I added some tears to it <laughs> for whatever reason. <laughs> um, Cause yeah, just whenever I start to draw something and then I, I notice that it kind of looks like something, I'll sort of just like go for it. I'll be like, okay, mm -hmm. it's now, now I'm going to really make it look like that. Um, and then I wanted, I knew where the third island was going to be because I liked that vista from the second island. And that's where I put the, down by the third island, I put that, um, sort of a, I don't know what you'd call it. It's like a generative, it's almost like a lava lamp in Doom, sort of the way mm. I think about it, is it's just sort of uh, an ever-changing, never-repeating kind of thing that looks interesting. Um, because, you know, I had that big vista there that I wanted to fill up with something interesting. And so I put the third island and that lava lamp down there. And then I wanted uh, just a more interesting way to get there from the second island so i just did that big spiral bridge okay, thing yeah. yep um and then i also liked how it just for the pacing it's kind of weird like <laughs> people usually don't do this where you're just like running without doing anything else for maybe a minute i don't know how long it actually takes but i kind of like the the transgressive nature of that <laughs> like i like i like transgressive mapping but i think for i think it actually does a very conventional pacing thing where it's like you just had this intense fight and now you're heading into a third fight that's probably going to be even more intense and it just sort of gives you that moment to like take in your surroundings and you can you know see the third island as you approach it and it gives you a moment to either anticipate or reflect mm -hmm. well the um the spiral like the nature of that spiral actually is like a little bit <laughs> uh I don't know, I found it, like, a little bit visually difficult to gauge, like, where I was, almost, uh, like, because you get all the way down to the end, and it ends in, like, a point, and then you have to jump off mm -hmm. the end, and, uh, I feel like it was sort of, like, warping the screen, almost, in the way that it was kind of made, which made for, like, an interesting lead-up to the final area. Hmm, that's interesting, yeah. Yeah, I like how the, like, the... The, the floor texture too is kind of um disorienting maybe like as it 
as it curves, you know, it changes the way that it's oriented to the sector and mm-hmm. it, it does. And then the jumps at first are more steep and then they get shallower. And so it, some of the, it's not really a challenge platforming, but like at first you can fall off. And especially like if you're playing UV, you can't get back up. So um, having completed like two thirds of the map, it's even though it's not hard, it's kind of spooky. Yeah. Well, yeah, it definitely wasn't your hardest, uh, your hardest map. But uh, one of the most visually unique for sure. Yeah, yeah, and in fact, the uh, hurt me plenty was designed to be one of my more um, accessible experiences, hmm. where it's it's supposed to still be that big sort of slaughter experience. But um, hopefully, it wasn't the case for Joel. He didn't really like it, but I think that's for a lot of reasons. He seemed really burnt out doing the contest. But I did make Hurt Me Plenty. I was hoping that Joel would like it, but more generally that, you know, people that aren't really into challenge maps would really like it. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think it's interesting enough in its own right, uh, perhaps, like, visually and stuff, where it doesn't necessarily need, like, to be hyper-challenging in order to be memorable as well. Mm, Yeah. Um, so let's, let's talk about Abandon, the, the big one, potentially. Um, so it's probably (laughs) the most ambitious thing that you worked on it, just in terms of like scale. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the process of just building such big maps? Because they're probably, Toilet of the Gods has big maps, but I, I would say the ones that you build for Abandon are more like, because you were sort of emulating in Sanger Zebra, they're obviously a little bit mm-hmm. more complex in terms of line count and stuff. So was that like uh, a bit of a specific challenge for you making large sort of complicated maps in that sense? Yeah, it was. I think I, I definitely bit off more than I could chew with Abandon. Um, like when I first decided to start the project, my idea was that I would anonymous, anonymously finish Sunder. <laughs> And then just like release it, like all 32 maps. Like that was a ridiculous idea. I was just like laying in bed one night and just be like, that would be so cool. And then um, eventually I realized that that was ridiculous. I needed help. So I, you know, I recruited Bemused because he he likes to make Sunder-like stuff too. Uh And then Scotty came on board and it sort of changed over time. It was not going to (laughs) be. And then uh, Insane Gazebo came back. So of course I can't finish Sunder anymore because he's actually back. Um. But yeah, yeah, I did want to touch on that specifically. <laughs> but I was like, you know, I can, like, it's, it's, Sunder is amazing and, and beautiful, but I felt like I could do it. Like, if I really spent the time to draw all those lines and think about all the good texture combinations, because I, I studied his mapping a bit and sort of got a feel for what makes Sunder look great. And I was like, yeah, I could, I could make some maps like that. And then ended up only making like two. <laughs> basically yeah. and then map 17 are the the solo maps that i made that were like um sort of that ambitious uh map i think it's four or five i always forget my earlier map was actually not for abandon at first it was for uh dying camels demons uh oh. that's why there's like some different textures in there from pinch text because pinchy was running that project yeah and uh, but at some point i was like um, like it, I, I couldn't 
I didn't want to work on it anymore. Like it, it felt like too much. Like I just wasn't in the mood back then to do that kind of map. And so I just put it on the shelf and then eventually I was like, oh, actually, like in the context of Dying Camel's Demons, I didn't want to do it. But if I think about it like an abandoned map, then I'm like, yeah, actually, this is right. This would, I think, make a good abandoned map and I could finish it. But like, yeah, map 10 might have been like the hardest map for me to make that I've ever made because it's just like so much. And it's yeah. still like way less detailed than a Sunder map or like bemused maps in an abandoned um, I just think that style of mapping isn't for me, and that's why I think I bit off more than I could chew. But I am glad that I, I did it and made. And map sixteen, I think, is um, that was sort of that's the collaboration with uh, Bemuse that I did, and that was basically like I had the layout and I had like all these buildings drawn. And I had some idea for fights, but I just like the prospect of detailing it and making it actually look good was like overwhelming to me. So I was like. Uh, hey, Bemuse, do you want to make this look good if I do the rest? And that's how that collaboration happened, because at that point, I realized I just couldn't really do that anymore. Yeah, I, I do remember that map in particular taking a while of, like, back and forth. And Abandon in general took quite a while to come out, because I think I had just released Breathless when you guys started, which was a long time ago now. Um yeah. Because I think you did, at one point, you said, like, oh, if you want to make something. But I had I just released Breathless, and I was like, I cannot face making, like, a giant map again. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And frankly, Breathless was, like, a bit of a disaster in terms of, like, <laughs> like going through the testing process and realizing I'd, like, broken so many things. And, like, uh, I, in terms of biting off more than you can chew, I was definitely in the same boat in terms of, like, I should not have made my first big release, like some massive undertaking yeah yeah those big maps are tough yeah i feel like it's kind of interesting because you like almost reverse picassoed like you start you started out with the cubism <laughs> and then you went back to uh doing like more traditional gigantic detailed stuff yeah and then decided to never do it ever again <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I even I mean, had that burnout like on uh, Toilet of the Gods map three. Like the other Toilet of the Gods maps are not that detailed, so they didn't really hit me that way. But map three definitely did. And then uh, I went right into thinking I wanted to make Abandon, <laughs> even though I was yeah. still like in the middle of that burnout. So it was just over over ambitious for sure. I think sometimes you can't help like what you're going to, <laughs> like what you're gonna think of next i suppose and sometimes yeah. i do the same thing where i'm like in the middle of a project and i suppose it's almost because you're in that creative space and then you're just thinking of more and more ideas like for yeah, your next true. project and then you're you're inundated with stuff that you can't possibly finish yeah you never know when inspiration will strike it's true very true uh cliche Sure. which is i guess how it became yeah. a cliche in the first place um yeah, one of the good ones so you talked a bit about it already uh that abandoned conceptually it started off as like trying to finish off sunder um just to start do you think you could talk about how like sunder influenced you originally because that was sort of one of the big uh p words for you i suppose 
Yeah, I, I think Sunder is like single-handedly got me into slaughter maps. Um, mm -hmm. Like I hadn't actually seen, I think the first slaughter map that I saw was on John Sweepy's stream. I think it was Doomworld Mega Project like 2014 or something like that. It was like an ugly, like all-star tan map. <laughs> but it had some really cool gameplay that I liked. And I was like, oh, interesting. That's the first time I learned what a slaughter map was because uh -huh. they were talking about it on the stream. And then I was like, oh, interesting. And then I started seeing Sunder and I started playing Sunder and I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. This is what I want to do. And so, yeah, Sunder pretty single-handedly introduced me to slaughter and also that whole visual style. And, um, yeah, and Toil of the Gods is like, definitely directly inspired by sunder but i i wasn't going for the the beautiful uh detailed maps like are in sunder instead it was just more of the uh the overall structure of the maps and the fights that i really wanted to explore with that one yeah i was curious about aesthetically uh you said it like influenced you aesthetically which obviously yeah. an abandon is evident but in a lot of your other stuff uh maybe maybe not so much and it that seems to be very distinctly your own thing. Um, yeah, true. I think maybe that was almost just a, a product of the burnout. Like, I just didn't want to make maps like that anymore. Like, at some point, I, I wanted to make maps that were quicker to finish. Like, a lot of times when I'm making a map, I'm really eager to, like, get into it and play it and, mm -hmm. you know, done. So, like, going for super detailed stuff is sort of goes against that and right. just makes me like i don't really feel like mapping <laughs> but visually still like i think maybe in um some of my community project stuff like um joy of mapping for uh the bone vault i oh, feel I like, like that map it, a lot actually Burn vault. oh cool yeah um I feel like the the opening area, some of the ideas and um, texturing, I think, is Sunder showed me that you don't have to use a lot of textures and it's more about color contrasts and things like that. I think that's yeah. like the biggest influence that Sunder had was in its texture usage. Yeah. Well, Burnvold definitely felt to me like it had some like Dark Souls influence uh, mm. in terms oh, yeah, of definitely, like... Yeah going down into the depths or whatever it sort of reminded me of um what's it called tomb of the giants i think it is a little bit yeah tomb of the giants or maybe the catacombs from yep. dark souls one yeah dark souls definitely is a lot of my influences are probably i don't realize what they are but i know that dark souls especially like the sort of the way that there's a narrative flow to your progression through a level like yeah just giving the areas their different personality and sort of like there's sort of a, a like um almost a feeling of like slipping into something terrible that you, you have to go there though yeah and i think what dark souls does really well in general uh is making it's uh like the enemies in the areas actually feel like a part of their environment which a lot of games don't really do particularly mm, well i don't yeah. think which is maybe another reason why Bone Vault sort of reminded me of it, because, you know, a lot of revenants in the Bone Vault. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> exactly yeah, where definitely. they should be, you know. That's true. I do really like, in Dark Souls, there's, like, enemies that you'll see in one area and never see them ever again, which is hard to do in Doom, um, unless you're making a smaller map. 
um, where you can sort of have the area um, have have the monsters be like a unique feature of that area, and then you go to a different area and there's something else. Yeah, I guess Doom's monsters are a little less uh, like thematically driven. Like they're all they're all from hell. They're all heck heck <laughs> yeah, guys, all... you know. Yeah. So, I guess like you know having lots of hit scanners and a tech base is sort of like a oh, well, you know, there's former humans here because this is a, a formerly human base that they use so it kind of makes sense it's true yeah. and then yeah revenants in a tomb kind of makes sense but yeah, yeah I don't know what else I'll have to work on the barons in a maps, brimstone yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so gazebo coming back uh this happened like midway through Abandon's development. I think Bemused discovered him in some random stream, <laughs> uh, which yeah, was absolutely insane. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was funny. he just found him in some random Doom stream and then ended up messaging him and it turned out like, oh, it's the real guy. Like it's actually Gazebo who'd been missing from the forums for a long time. And then we all ended up kind of talking to him. But um, I guess I was wondering how like Abandon changed once uh, or like the goals of the project changed once Gazebo came back and you were like, oh, well, I guess there's no point finishing Sunder since he's going to finish Sunder now. And um, yeah, and also maybe yeah. hearing like his perspective on what Sunder was meant to be and things would have would have changed your perspective as well. Yeah, it was sort of already going that way just because, you know, I felt like that was silly, like in a moment of, you know, <laughs> of over ambition i thought that was a good idea but eventually i was like now nah, we'll we'll just make it so that it's supposed to be like in the style of sunder but like kind of strict like you know i like at first i didn't want to use any comp level nine features because even though sunder has played comp level nine it's it doesn't really use any of those features it's mostly just for the lost soul in it that comp level nine i think speedrunners decided was the best way to do it i think there might actually be a like a soft block or something on two but uh -huh. um, designed for Z Doom, it's he didn't really think about it that way, and it just ended up being comp level nine. And so I was like, yeah, I don't want to use any of the boom features either because that's that'll be true to Sunder. Yeah. And then, um, but even that, like, then then Gazebo came back and we we're talking to him, and he started working on Sunder, and you know he started using boom features. So it it I think it just took off a lot of that pressure of you know this has to be really true to sunder because you know sunder is is being developed again and it's it's not being as true as we were trying to be <laughs> the original sunder <laughs> well so that was the hilarious like... thing was that <laughs> he sort of came in and he's like yeah so like i used gz <laughs> for testing and like i had to put a hide off and all this stuff and and you guys were like oh man we we can't use voodoo's for this uh like lock in here or whatever because like he wouldn't have had that for for sunder or but he just didn't yeah. know about the features and stuff at the time yeah there's still some goofy stuff in there like in map 17 that i can think of where i didn't want to use voodoo's but i also like really needed a single switch to do several different things and so I decided, well, it's a boom feature, but it's like kind of invisible. So I'm comfortable with it as I would just stack lines in front of each other and use the pass through function so that you could hit a whole bunch of things at once. But uh -huh. it's kind of, it's not a very good way to do it. It's still kind of like if you're very precise, you can skip using some of those lines. 
Right. Um, so at some point I was like, I should go back. Now that we've loosened up the rules, I should go back and turn this into like a voodoo. Just put a voodoo in yeah. the learned yeah. voodoo and all of abandon. Yeah, but I don't think I did that, even though we do have some voodoos in other places. Is it is the complete version up now, or is it still beta, technically? Uh, yeah, it's still beta. We have RC1, like, done. I think it's just me being lazy. Like, I need to... There's one of the maps had some node problems, but I think we might have fixed that. And then I just need to test it. Like, it's... Building the rejects for the abandoned maps is kind of a an ordeal. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I just have to, like, I think we actually did build all the rejects, though, so it just needs to be tested, and then we can throw it up RC1. Yeah, I think we've all had reject and, and node building issues over the years. I think Entropy, I had to do some reject stuff, which, incidentally, you talked about it earlier, but that map was also originally for Dying Camels Demons, uh, and then <laughs> ended up oh, becoming yeah. a solo project, so. Interesting. Yeah, I think uh, some of the Flotsam maps were also meant to be in Dying Camel's Demons, but for whatever reason, I think it was like taking too long and some people wanted to throw them into Flotsam instead. Yeah, I think that was the case. And then I, I did end up making another map for Dying Camel's Demons too, which I, I like that map, but it was a lot, um, it was a lot lower, I won't say lower effort, but it was more a speedy map. Mm -hmm. and, and so I, I felt like I was able to complete it as opposed to the the abyssal artifact is the one that ended up in abandon. Have you thought about doing like a Todd style compilation of all your community project stuff? Oh yeah, actually I have. Um, I have done some work towards it. I I feel like it's one of the last things that I really want to do before I leave Doom. I don't know if I'll ever leave Doom forever, but like. Um, I sort of feel like there's not any other ideas that I have or ambitions to have. So, but this one thing, I did kind of want to make a compilation. And then the thing that would be unique to it was the map that I wanted to make, like a ridiculous iconos in map with um, like some custom sounds and stuff. <laughs> it's sort of the, sort of the uh, I don't know, the, the crowning achievement. That's not a crowning achievement. It's like the the garnish, I guess, you'd put on top of the compilation wad, or that would be the only new map, but everything else. And I was thinking, like, I would include Toil of the Gods, like, not just community stuff. And some community stuff wouldn't work, like, um, like Mayhem 18 and 19. Yeah, the UD. Actually, I was thinking about, um, like, what do they call it? Um, downporting. Now there's a word for it. Um, but making the, my UDMF map work in Boom, which I think wouldn't oh, be right. too difficult. I just have to use some of the, the old janky, like instant raising floors to make the bridge and stuff. Oh, God, yeah. I, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Boom bridges, I'll be honest. They always yeah, break. Me Whenever either. I play anything with a Boom bridge, it just breaks. My experience. Yeah. And then I was going to put like like the the toil of the gods palette would be like a just a separate wad that you could load with it if you want to like if you could play all the maps with it or you could just play the toil of the gods maps with it so that's something that's on the table i even have a name for it which i'll i'll reveal it is called uh, previously unavailable on cd rom that's pretty good <laughs> yeah although is it going to fit in like the title screen yeah i don't know i have to I have to, to play with some out. font work then yeah 
Um, down the drain. It's probably it might be my favorite release of yours, which I think that was like surprising to me because I'm not really somebody who goes for like the sort of nostalgia oriented vanilla woods. But uh, I really, really enjoyed it when I played it. Um, and uh, this may get a little bit uh, out there, but <laughs> <laughs> we're both David Lynch fans, I'm pretty sure. And uh, Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, when I played Down the Drain, or maybe like looking back on it afterwards, I felt like it sort of had like this Lynchian element to it. He has like uh, this motif throughout his films where he presents like, the nostalgia of like white picket 50s american suburbia and then he he always juxtaposes it with like the cd underbelly underneath it and stuff yeah uh, and there's like this scene in Mulholland drive where you see the hollywood sign which in film it's usually like an image of dreams about to come true and all this stuff but he underlays mm-hmm. it with like this really unnerving soundtrack that's playing and it makes you feel like a lot of anxiety about like what's about to come uh yeah and to like circle back to what my actual point is here um down the drain sort of felt this way in the sense that it presents outwardly as like a 90s nostalgia megawatt like you've seen a lot of in the past but then it has like all this cruel gameplay sort of throughout it and uh a lot of slightly more like disorientating visuals than you might see in like a classic 90s nostalgia thing and so, right. and it's also got like this kind of dark storyline that you wrote for it. Um, so I suppose I was wondering if you were sort of crafting it with any kind of high concept, like uncanniness when you were, when you were designing down the dream. Uh, that's interesting. I think a lot of what you perceived was not entirely intentional, but right. like, I, it wasn't like a design goal that I had, um, except for like a few things like the um particularly episode two which is like the the bunker episode where it's all underground and it's like just weird tech bases i really wanted to um keep this motif of like the hallway with just tons of doors which is partly nostalgic because i feel like you know old crusty 90s maps would you know rely on hallways and doors a lot um but i think it for me, it made a lot of sense in like this bunker setting that you would just have, you know, storerooms and, you know, living quarters, and they would just make sense to have just sterile long hallways and doors. Um, but yeah, like I think that does, like I can see what you're saying. <laughs> like I don't know if I intended <laughs> it to be that way, but like it is, it's definitely intended to be nostalgic but also intended to be um, very hostile. Like you said, like with the storyline, it's supposed to be a very hostile world that you're delving into. Um, and then just sort of, because I, I really like to embrace the sort of broken, like tutti fruity and stuff like that. Like, the Medusa stuff. Yeah, like stuff that's, I didn't go so far as to use Homs, but there are, I think someone found some. <laughs> Um, and also like, I have like a mid texture bleeding through, which I didn't intend, but there are some like bugs that, you know, people might consider bugs that are intentional, um, which I think does sort of add to that uncanniness. Um, but as to me, sometimes it was just an aesthetic choice. Like I like sort of these old maps that are kind of broken and crusty and I wanted to embrace that. 
You've got to use the word crusty now in a map title. <laughs> crusty, yeah. It's a good one. But yeah, Lynch. I love Lynch. Love Mulholland Drive. So yeah, I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm sure like a lot of my influences I don't really think about, but they, now that you mention it, like people will say things to me that are like like I was watching someone play down the drain, and one of the people in chat was like, "Oh, you must you like Spirit World from Doom too, right?" And I was like, "I don't really. Do I like Spirit World? Was that, <laughs> was that something that influenced me?" And then I thought about it. I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess so. It's pretty cool." pretty cool map like of the cave area i feel like some of my caves kind of look like that and just like the the big spider fight it's just like really bright lava and fire everywhere i definitely use stuff like that a lot so i was probably influenced by the spirit world you know just like i was influenced by david lynch yeah i think spirit world is a lot to answer for uh, frankly, in terms of... <laughs> yeah it's, it's definitely not a perfect map but yeah oh it's i think it's a cool map i really liked it as a kid because i was like holy shit two spider masterminds like what more yeah. do you want but, um, <laughs> yeah it's cool you got the involvement it's not even hard you can just watch yeah. the spiders fight each other which is one of my favorite things to do was just watch monsters fight oh yeah me too i used to just have like cyber demons and pit them against like hundreds of enemies and stuff yeah so of course gotcha was cool but mostly i just go to like uh, the icon of sin and turn on god mode and oh yeah just be like too. a tourist and just walk around and watch everyone fight yeah. <laughs> which is probably a big influence for why i liked slaughter as well because i liked infighting so much and it's such a big tool like in the toolbox for slaughter mapping yeah definitely um so what what actually made you want to make a 90s wad like what was your reasoning so i think it was just sort of an aesthetic that I appreciated. There's a few things that came together. Like, I like the aesthetic. I like the fact that, you know, I'm not using any additional resources. Although I do have a little bit of regret there because 90s maps are kind of famous for having, like, really bad custom textures and sound replacements. Yeah. Which I maybe could have helped out down the drain. <laughs> but um, in the end, I kind of liked just having everything stock. And then also... Um, the vanilla limits. I'm a big fan of vanilla limits. Uh, <laughs> sometimes they're frustrating, but I, I really like um, that you can basically play the wad on anything on, in any port you want with any mods that you want. Like it's sort of like um, it's sort of like the iWad levels, where it's I wanted it to be like just the solid base of maps that you could do anything with that you want with. And um, I feel like the vanilla limits also were just kind of um, kind of suit my mapping preference in general. Like, since I don't want to spend a lot of time detailing stuff or making really big maps, unless it's something like Map 31, which is, you know, big in like a very focused kind of way, um, I felt like the vanilla limits just sort of already kind of fit my speed mapping style. And so I feel like all those things just kind of came together. And I was like, I think I can make 32 maps like this. Whereas, you know, if I had a different design goal with like custom textures and, uh, you know, like very fine tuned fights and stuff like that, I don't think I would ever make 32 maps of that. Yeah. Um, was it always going to be 32 maps? Like that, was that quite a process for you to make 32 maps for this one? Yeah, like it was always the goal, and it it took a lot longer than I thought. Like I think I started during the the Nano Wadmo, which is the 
the November, like do a megawatt in a month kind of deal. And I sort of started going at it with that in mind. Like I didn't really think I would hit that goal, but I was going to go for it anyways. And then if I didn't make it, I'd at least have a good starting point. And that's sort of how it turned out. Like I had a pretty good starting point and then um, just over the years, if I felt like making a map, I had like, you know, since it was all very comfortable parameters, things that I liked mapping towards as a design goal, it was very easy to just be like, I feel like making the map, so I'll go make a map. And then eventually I had 32 of them. Oh, that, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the way to do it, really, rather than trying to like sit down and stare at the editor and be like, okay, I need to make map five now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's miserable. I kind of was there with abandon, so I didn't want to do something like that again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Fractured Worlds was definitely like I, I had never even made something with multiple maps in it, and a lot of that was like I'll make a bit of map two, and then when I ran out of ideas, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go work on map three now, and then I just jumped around to make it like a bit more of a smooth process for me. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, uh, the midis in. Uh, down the drain are obviously like a huge part of it uh, you you created the separate music pack for it which has like a lot of radiohead and nirvana and like 90s anime midis did you have yeah. that midi selection was that initially like a big part of it that selection of midis uh because it comes as like a separate pack so what was your like why did you decide to make it separate and was the midi selection like a big part of the process yeah, it was definitely part of the design goal was to have, like, very 90s nostalgic midis for me. Like, it was sort of like, you know, I want to make a wad that if I had played this as a teenager in the 90s, I would have been like, heck yeah, this is, this is all my favorite stuff. And so I, I loved Radiohead. I still love Radiohead. But, like, I was listening to Radiohead constantly in the 90s. Um, so most of the midis are Radiohead, not necessarily because like I wanted that many Radiohead midis, but it just turns out there's a lot of good Radiohead midis that people have made over the years. And um, so yeah, I wanted 90s midis, just midis that were nostalgic for me. Um, and yeah. then some of them don't aren't actually in the 90s, but I I use them anyways. Like one of the live songs, I think uh, "Run to the Water" is from like the the aughts, but um, I, I was played a little bit loose with that just because sometimes there were just midis that were too good to not use. <laughs> or it sounds be... 90s enough anyway. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it's live. You know, live was like uh, more of a 90s band, even if this one came out in the aughts. Yeah. And then um, then making it a separate file is sort of two two reasons. Is um, It's sort of a, an old way to do it, like Hell Revealed and Memento Mori. I mean, no, Memento Mori doesn't. I just played it, so I should know. But Hell Revealed does it. Um, and also, like, I I realized since all these minis are for me, <laughs> like, not everyone's going to want to listen to them. And right. so to have an easy option to just not load them, I thought was a good idea. Well, very conscientious of you. <laughs> yeah. And I think because also, like, it, aiming for nostalgia, like, Doom 2 soundtrack... Uh, has a lot of nostalgia for me so i also enjoy playing it without my custom midis just because i like to hear the doom 2 midis and just how they uh sort of like in a like a 90s maximum doom kind of way like 
if you're making a map, you're not thinking about what the MIDI is going to be. Um, you know, it just happens if it falls in this map slot, then that's what the music's going right, to be. Yeah. And it's interesting to see like how that changes the way you feel about the map or how it changes the tone of the map. Um, so yeah, it was, it was fun to have that as an option to play with just Doom 2's music. Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely still, like, I, I suppose when I hear, a, like, a standard stock Doom MIDI on a map, I'm automatically like, oh, well, maybe they should have chosen, like, a custom MIDI for this, but, uh, I still think that Doom has banger MIDIs, frankly. Yeah, yeah, some really great ones. Like, D-Running, I, you know, I, that was actually, I was thinking about just changing map 15, to have a different MIDI because right. it's, it's the, the second appearance of D running. And I feel like it doesn't fit that map very well, mm-hmm. but I sort of came around to it and embraced it. Cause it's like D running is sort of the, the anthem of like janky nineties maps. And, you know, sometimes it'll be playing and it'll be completely inappropriate for a map, but that's, that's sort of the experience that D running gives you. Well, yeah, I actually, I also really like uh, TNT's, uh, music which uh mm. has a lot of weird ones in it but um <laughs> i think you hadn't actually fully played through tnt right i think me and remix yeah. took you through uh, maybe <laughs> half of it in xander because we were both shocked and dismayed to find out that you had not played through tnt yeah that's right um i played like by myself i think i played like the first five maps or something like that and then yeah we played some which i i don't remember in general i have a pretty bad memory for doom wads but i think on that night in particular i had a few drinks so i don't remember as much of tnt (laughs) (laughs) well i was just surprised because tnt to me out of the eye wads is the most bender uh some especially the later maps where it gets very like abstract and weird and like you have these large open spaces with nothing in them and like uh to me it just felt like tonally tnt is uh is the one that sort of would have resonated with you the most but then you hadn't even played it so i was quite surprised yeah yeah it is pretty surprising i should play it (laughs) again maybe good yeah keep on your 90s kick (laughs) uh so to finish up and i think this will be a question that i'm going to ask everybody because i do think it's it's interesting even though it's a very basic question i'm curious what your favorite monster in doom is and why oh boy i think the easiest answer the first thing that popped in my head was archvile right yep (laughs) it's very easy they're very unique very strong i love um you're raising the raising up dev dead monsters is such an interesting mechanic that you can use in a lot of different ways. Um, but I th- also shout outs to the pain elemental. I feel like I used to really well, or just lost souls. Honestly, I used to say that lost souls and pain elementals are like my least favorite monsters in doom, but just maybe through the process of mapping, um, they're, they feel like a really uh, important niche. I think Yeah. of, uh, monsters, especially just Lost Souls, as sort of a low-tier monster that you can't really circle strafe. Um, yeah. And also they they just create like a lot of chaos and infighting, and they fill up spaces in different ways than you might expect. So I, mm-hmm. I really come to appreciate Lost Souls and Pain Elementals. But I, nothing beats the Archfile, <laughs> I think. Yeah, I don't think there's, a, there's another monster in 
another game that really does everything that an archvile does especially it's weird attack where it's like hit scan and it bounces you and it gets infinite range if you attack them and it has all this like weird coding nuance to it that makes it like yeah just a very strange monster yeah i think doom 2 gets a lot of crap for being like like as a sequel like really weak because it doesn't have like that much new stuff just one new weapon and some new monsters and then just maps and like people think the texture sets like not even as good as doom 1 and stuff like that but i think doom 2 really deserves a lot of credit for all of its new monsters because i think they all have really um they all fill really good niches that needed to be filled and uh, oh absolutely i mean if you play a doom 1 like i can't really play doom 1 <laughs> custom ones <laughs> yeah. anymore because it's missing so much into because if you think about the doom one roster realistically they're all just bigger imps like yeah because doom one doesn't have a huge amount of verticality anyway so the cacodemon isn't really used it's not utilized very well as a flying monster so what ends up happening is you have like a cacodemon in a hallway and then he's just a fat imp uh and a baron is just a really fat imp yeah uh, so the mid-tier is very weak in doom 1 and doom 2 does like a really exceptional job of like creating like all these uh extra little niche roles that uh really flesh out the sandbox i think yeah yeah i think you know manx and arachnatrons of course revs but manx and arachnatrons both really good monsters manx still like i i feel like they make me feel bad at doom all the time that just hit me like when, yeah when i, I come back after a hiatus manx <laughs> are always the thing that hit me the most yeah it's like i know there's a way i can avoid this reliably but for some reason they still baffle me <laughs> yeah uh well thanks for being on what is the like the first episode of this podcast it was really good talking to you a lot of insight into like your process and stuff which is cool uh, yeah it was fun and who knows maybe if this you know 200 episodes from now when i have uh, an audible ad that you skip at the beginning of my oh, podcast yeah. um maybe i'll have you back on and we'll talk about your 20th uh vanilla wad that you're releasing <laughs> all right sounds good yeah okay well thanks and uh i'll try i think i'm gonna try to release these you know maybe every couple of weeks or, or or something along that line i haven't worked out a a steady thing yet but um yeah i will finish up here and thanks again ben all right thank you for having me see you see you